I have a problem with regards to finding sweet spots. How, how, like, for example, when should I be vulnerable, but not too vulnerable? Where do I draw the line? Welcome to the Rex Crim Show, X. How do you do? I'm doing very good, Rex. Thank you very much for having me. Rex and X. Yes. It's got a, uh, a ring to it to also. I, um, I, it seems a bit disingenuous since we were just speaking before we hit record and just having a conversation and then we do the whole introduction thing again, don't you think? <laughs> tell me about it. I, I want to let you tell a little bit of your story. Can you just shed light on the episode, the theme of what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so today is just, um, today uh, it's mostly going to be discussing just having a really um, in-depth, you know, you could say visceral, the opposite of superficial discussion around Asperger syndrome and how I feel like it has... Um, you know, it really has imposed a lot of um, challenges and struggles in my life in addition to um, with regards to socializing, but also mental difficulties and potentially career difficulties. Yeah, from the bit that I understand of Asperger's, um, you know, this is a, a, a neurodevelopmental disorder. Is that is that correct or am I... Am I mistaken? No, no, no. That's 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 a correct way of saying it. Neurodevelopmental or just developmental difference. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess we're sort of um, bridging off of other episodes from the Rex Crim show on the idea of inseldom or uh, being voluntarily yes. incelibate, uh, which is, I guess, a a symptom of uh, some of the social interactions and difficulties that come with this disorder. Yeah, that's a good way of uh, discussing, of uh, putting it. So, um, well, let's go from there. I, uh, I guess uh, folks tuning in are probably aware that we've met uh, off of a subreddit group. Mm-hmm. Um, which group, which group was that? Do you remember? It was incel exit. Just generally speaking, what, you know, what business have you got in a subreddit like that? It, the theme of that subreddit, honestly, for a long time, I was kind of debating, you know, uh, being active in that subreddit because, um, I didn't want to really attach that identity of incel onto myself. But then I thought to myself, well, you don't need to really have that identity on yourself. Like, because to me, incel is a self-imposed identity, but I think the challenges that people face and whatever are still very much real. And it's actually a pretty, it seems like a lot more of a tight knit group than other subreddits that such as dating advice or other relationships. And I think it, um, I think it's really good because the people there have this, the mods there anyway, try to create this atmosphere of wanting to leave the incel mindset at least or just any mindset of, um, you know, being very self-defeating and um, learning a few things, wanting to, you know, uh, look for comfort or look for advice and whatever. Just a place where people can try to support each other rather than pulling each other down, which I I was never active on any incel subreddits, but I did lurk occasionally and see how 
you know, people use the terminology crab bucket to describe what an incel subreddit is like in that crabs try to climb out, but they just essentially end up pulling each other down with their self-pity and what have you and just kind of brush this narrative of, oh, it's over. The it's over mantra because of things like, oh, you have a disability. Oh, you're short. Oh, your face is this way or that way. You don't have X trait. And because it's over, there's nothing you can do. So just wallow in self-pity. It's it's very akin to other subreddits that might not be as vol- like um, bitter or I should say um, radical as incels. Like, they're, they're, you know, there's a lot of other subreddits like um, Forever Alone and stuff like that that may not have the radical views that incels have, but they still have this self-pitying this nature which don't get me wrong there's a fair share of that on incel exit but at least the people there try to get everyone um motivated to work on their things and provide insights try to provide new perspectives and you know really just help each other out rather than just keep each other stuck and whatever and i think that's how that's why i decided you know what to be a little bit more active on it i i always found it quite um well let me just first say x that you strike me as someone who's like highly (laughs) self-aware and um it's really curious i'm so glad you hit the note about you know this sort of self-imposed identity um and indeed it seems tied up in you know toxicity oftentimes people from the outside dare i say normies or, or chads yes or stacy's for example um you know, they, they look at it and just, you know, to use your words, if they were lurking, um, this whole crab out of bucket, uh, is a, is an interesting analogy, but I mean, it does seem a lot of like, there's a lot of self pity going on and you say it's over or other, I've heard other phrases. It never began. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just find this, how do you explain this sort of irony that is, a community finding itself uh, based on its isolation. You know, in other words, you know, building relationships based on, you know, not being able to be in relationships. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And um, I must say, before I get into that, you're not the first who has said to me of how introspective and self-aware I am. And I appreciate the compliment very much. Um it's, uh, but, um, moreover, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny that people develop relationships on these subreddits, or at least try to on the basis of being unable to have relationships. And like I said, you know, I think it's, I think it just, you know, as someone who has had Asperger's, I'm, I'm actually kind of the opposite of what I feel like a lot of these, you know, people on what you know because a lot of incels or i think every single incel subreddit or pro incel subreddit anyway has been banned the anti ones are still active like you know kind i don't know if incel exit is necessarily anti but i know that incel tier is definitely anti and but the thing is i think what one of the things that um draws people in is the idea of wanting to find others who basically can relate to them who 
you know, aren't quote unquote normies. And that's another thing as well that I try to also avoid doing is not using incel terminology. I mean, sometimes I might use my own terminology, but you know, in the case of, and I just, so I say it very lightly, the idea of normie, but he, um, you know, the idea of normies and, you know, wanting to find people who get that. And I can definitely understand that it provides a sense of comfort for them, but it just, again, it, they all just create this narrative of it's over and whatnot, or as you say, never, it never began because it's, it's almost like they, not all of them, but it's almost like it's, it seems like it's so much easier to just say it's over and whatever to avoid taking any, um, any response. Yes. Ownership. Now, now I understand there are absolutely some barriers to, to it, like disabilities, which I feel like are a much bigger problem to obtaining relationships than looks ever could be. But, um, but it's yes, the the desire to not take ownership. And one person on the sub on incel exits once said to me, "It's almost like you find some strange comfort in the suffering and whatnot, because you know the comfort of stagnation is so much more appealing than the discomfort of challenge." And I'll be honest, I struggle with that myself too a little bit sometimes. The idea of because honestly, for two and a half years, you know early 2016 until mid 2018 i i found a lot of comfort in the stagnation and just didn't try to put myself out there to find challenges because of you know what i had you know it wasn't just a single event that had you know kind of threw me into that um downward spiral but it was a perfect storm of events you know one of the biggest contributors just being just essentially shunned by well everybody really Mm -hmm. and then you know on top of that lately there's the pandemic which has forced many people you know to be even more isolated uh exasperating the situation for folks identifying with the condition of in seldom yeah and some and you know where i live in um where i live in in canada it's things are starting to get better and it's like I've seen a lot of incels saying, oh, I wish the pandemic would continue and whatever because, you know, all these people going back to normal. And a part of me kind of feels a little bit like, you know, I don't, I, I, I ain't talking like that, but a part of me feels like, well, there was no quote unquote normal for me to look back to anyway because of how, you know, I don't have like, I mean, I've got a few friends, but it's not like they're, uh, it's not like they're this squad or circle so to speak they're just people from different places of my life who you know I do enjoy talking with and trying to spend time with but it just like and it also it just it just you know it for the most part to me it feels like oh there's no normal to go back to for me anyway and seeing those commercials that talk a lot about oh we're going back to this showing people at parties weddings and you know, sports events, which by the way, I think that really highlights how, at least in the West, we have this standard of, oh, you're not worthwhile if you, unless you're extroverted and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, I got an extroverted side of myself too, but it's like, 
I feel like I never get a chance to show that extroverted side because of my depression, which was a subsequent cause of the challenges that, of, um, which was subsequently caused because of the challenges that I had encountered with my Asperger's and whatnot, which I've heard is a pretty universal, almost universal thing that people with the disability deal with because, you know, it's, it, and it's only, and it's funny that only now are people that are, you know, news industries or stuff like that talking about how terrible isolation is for the development of children. But it's like when I was dealing with that stuff growing up, you know, throughout the early, throughout, you know, as a, as a Gen Z or myself, 22 year old growing up, you know, we didn't get this attention. We never got this attention towards the children back then, but now it's like all of a sudden because everyone ha was forced to, you know, be isolated. Now they start caring, and I'm not gonna lie, it triggered some very difficult feelings inside of me, as do a lot of things with regards to stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in uh, correspondence with me, you know, you alluded to feeling very angry inside, uh, you know, talk about the differences that you realize about yourself and others because of, because of your Asperger's, uh -huh. um, that, uh, you know, you've, you've suffered uh, a lifetime, it sounds like, of rejections, isolation, and, and exclusion. Yes. Well, I'm interested in hearing all about you, this experience and uh, trying to make sense of it for folks who have no idea what you're going through. Mm -hmm. It sounds like we're talking about concurrent disorders, uh, Asperger's, depression. Um, any others to rhyme off? Or I guess that's quite enough. Anxiety. Yeah. And um, just comment now. We can, I can hear a bit of wind going by and some birds um, um, singing in the background. You're in Canada. You mentioned how much are you willing to share about your circumstances? Who is X? Uh like um what do you mean well that that might be a loaded question but i'm 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 wondering if you can comment uh, just on for folks listening that can hear background um you know where where are you located like what's your geo not your geolocation but uh generally speaking where where are you well i'm in um i'm located in uh southern ontario um just north of toronto mm -hmm. And um, really nice neighborhood, really quiet neighborhood. But I only moved here, I only moved here, um, you know, six months ago. And after essentially growing up through my developmental periods in Toronto, or at least just more south of here, you know, just basically the north, the most northern part of Toronto before moving out of Toronto, essentially. Right, okay. And you said uh, you're a Gen Z, 22 years young. And um, are you working or are you studying? I am studying to, um, I mean, unfortunately, I got rejected from um, graduate school this year, which, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit okay with. The only reason why I'm not as angry as I could be with that is because I feel like going into the fall, there might still be some conspicuous restrictions in place that kind of would prevent it from being a proper graduate school experience. So if I if it means having to wait until the end of 2022 or next year to be able to have a proper one and get more experience and try out some, you know, new clubs to find new people, then I'm all for it. But as for studying, yes, I'm still doing some 
continuing education to be able to make myself a more competitive candidate. I don't currently have a job job, but I do help out this um, professional with, because um, you see I'm studying nutrition and whatever with the idea of wanting to get some kind of PhD in it, be it through science or public health. But I, uh, I, and I'm, and by being able to help out this person who is actually a very prolific person in her field, I feel like that's going to help me out tremendously. So I'll admit that is something that's pretty, that does give me this drive, so to speak, to, you know, kind of do something throughout the day as do some of these, you know, other courses and whatnot. But for the most part, um, currently that's just how things are. And, uh, it's it's a bit unfortunate because you know it's like aside from my trip last week to Banff which was really nice for the most part although there were some things that kind of marred it and reminded me of my Asperger's and you know difficulties in my life it feels like it's going to be a v- another one of those pathetic summers that I feel like I feel like summertime is honestly the worst season for people with Asperger's because I feel like it, 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 it sort of just exacerbates their loneliness and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if you could elaborate further on what it's like. How do you describe to someone that doesn't know what Asperger's is like? Uh, walk us through that experience. Gladly. Thank you for asking. Um so Asperger's syndrome, um, you see, I was not, I didn't know I, I was apparently, I was diagnosed with it when I was 14 years old. However, I did not, I wasn't told that I had it until I was 19 and a half years of age. So just, just slightly under three years ago, but throughout my entire life, I never could understood why I was so different from everyone else. I could never understand why I was so different with regards to my interests, how I didn't find sports appealing, how I was just a weirdo in, you know, quote unquote, to just quote others, how I was, um, you know, just left out of things and just, you know, bullied. And in middle in elementary school this wasn't very apparent other than my eccentric interests which you know i i feel like the teachers did kind of champion me for and that's what i feel like made it kind of okay but then i believe when middle school came that's when the social difficulties really started to become more apparent because to put it simply um asperger's and social skills are essentially I know this might be very, very generalizable and every single person with Asperger's because Asperger's is just basically, it's not a unique diagnosis. It's a, it's just an autism spectrum diagnosis now in 2013, actually, when I was diagnosed with it. So technically I am on the spectrum, but it's on the high functioning end of it. But needless to say, it's still... It creates this uncanny valley where someone, quote unquote, looks normal from the outside, but then they just kind of, when you start talking to them, you just think, oh my God, what the hell is wrong with this person? And whatever, oh my God, this person is weird, 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 weird. And um, I think 
and, and, and as I was saying before, Asperger's and social skills slash, you know, kind of, uh, what can I say? Like learning through others and whatever. But basically, Asperger's and social skills are like two posi- two two identical ends of, you know, magnets. You, you, you try to put a positive end of one magnet and a positive end of the other magnet together, and they just repel each other no matter how much you force them to do that. That's, in, from my eyes, how Asperger's is. And there's a lot of other things that come with it, such as one person rudely, a professional, by the way, once rudely said to me, um, oh, is that how Asperger's works? Just ch- randomly changing conversation topics or kind of bring, going off on tangents? And as a matter of fact, um, it kind of does a little bit because, you know, people with Asperger's randomly do tend to change conversation topics, at least on, you know, me personally, if I don't find anything interesting or if there's nothing that can keep the conversation going, I might, I'll just end up changing it for the sake of going because it's almost like I would rather do that than just have awkward silences, which (laughs) said awkward silences wouldn't happen if I had some things to talk about to others, which was very difficult when you have Asperger's because you're not, again, you have such rigid interests, such rigid, um, eccentric, rigid interests, nerdy interests in my case, because I was, uh, I was the nerd growing up with, um, my eccentric interests in TV shows, anime, not anymore, but just, you know, stuff like that and just wanting to talk about that to others and you know when people would shun me for it and just leave me out of things I was just like ah they're just jerks and whatever and just kind of developed this animosity towards other people Mm -hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't until I wanted a girlfriend that I realized just how screwed I was honestly because they say that one of the most important things in a child's development into a into a well-adjusted adult is making sure that they're socialized which my parents did actually try to do it's not like my parents didn't try to put me in social situations they did it's just that in those situations i did not find any appeal in talking to you know people i was very limited in who i wanted to talk with i only wanted to talk with those who were interested in my very eccentric interests and growing up i only had like maybe two or three friends at a time because unlike those uh quote unquote popular people who had all these friends and who were extroverted into sports who would you know either bully me or just leave me out of things when i tried to connect with them like I said, I was just kind of like a one-trick pony type of person. And in high school, I did try to change that up a little bit because um, I joined, you know, I think it's good that my parents didn't tell me I had Asperger's because the thing is, I feel like if I they told me that I would have had, that I had Asperger's, that it would have, you know, quote-unquote destroyed me inside and would have essentially created this sort of... Um, perspective inside my mind where I I would almost try to justify being, you know, subconsciously justify not being active or not trying to socialize with others and whatnot. And thankfully they didn't do that. I joined clubs. I, you know, was a part of the swim team and whatever. 
which was the only sport I could really do good because it wasn't, a, you know, because team sports, again, socializing with others, difficult stuff, swim, don't really need to, because it, it wasn't synchronized for the most part. But yeah, it's, um, t- to put it in the most simple way, Asperger's will make you, quote unquote, weird into the others. And weird is also a really really challenging word because weird in it's it's weird in terms of what the west deems as weird and whatnot and as a result you get shunned by everybody and that shunning leads to this you get thrown into a vicious cycle where you get angry and you know you get angry and depressed for the most part at least that was what that was my experience with it i got angry and depressed and just essentially shut myself off from everyone. And then people would complain to me about what my problems were saying, Oh, you know, you're just so angry and whatever. It's like to, to people I'm either angry or they're weird. There's always a reason why people would just want to avoid me. And, you know, people would anonymously bully me on sites, you know, because honestly they were very cowardly to do that because I'm sure they would not have the guts to say to me in person, but they would just bully me about things like I remember one comment once saying to me, X, nobody really truly likes you. They're only nice to you because A, they feel bad, or two, you're weird AF. It was, you know, you're just you're just like you nope, you know, you just don't you just have your head up your you know what? You just have your head too far up your you know what to understand that fact. I know you'll see what I mean when no one shows up to your party. Now, I feel like that person was just jealous that they weren't invited, which, you know, I did have a good party and, you know, there were a ton of people who came. But then after that, it was a constant barrage of being left out of things by everyone, the cool people trying to, when I tried to join them, and just being outcasted and also unsupported by my family at least in an emotional sense they did financially support me but not emotionally this constant negative reinforcement basically threw me into a pit of depression and anxiety that I lived with and I found comfort in the suffering and honestly I'm really lucky that I did not find those incel subreddits because if I did, I probably would have been still stuck in there. I mean, I'm still kind of stuck in the depression and sort of being unable to let go of a lot of these injustices that I've had to face because of my differences that you know were caused by this condition and that people just never try to accommodate and that we really never... I don't want to sound very controversial with this, but when it comes to differences in others we're very active in trying to be more open to those of different races. Canada being the most diverse country on earth, or at least one of the most diverse, we are very active with regards to saying, okay, racism is unacceptable. Um, And I'm Middle Eastern myself, so it's nice to hear that. But, um, and we're also very active with regards to being inclusive to those who are LGBT. But when it comes to those who have disabilities, be it visible or not, it's like we have not done anything. And we just continue to let people who have those disabilities just suffer and whatnot. Because 
you know, it's, and I feel like in my lifetime anyway, I will not be able to really see such changes. And that's what I feel like is the tragic part about Asperger's. It, it, it sounds, I, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt. <clears throat> I have to jump in next because I know that if I don't, it sounds like you'll, you'll gladly um, provide insight for the rest of the session. Uh, and that's a compliment because I don't think I've ever met anyone quite as comfortable, um, you know, ex- carrying on. I wonder if you have a career in public speaking. No, I do not. Although, although I did think about, um, although I did think about, you know, when, it, if I did my PhD and wanted to be like a researcher that I could, um, you know, do presentations or someone told me, Hey, why don't you go to academia and whatnot or do that? Like, <laughs> you know, I, like I think about, cause people have complimented me on my presentation skills, but, um, and, uh, but, um, you know, no, I don't, uh, I don't have a career in terms of that. I wish I could get the opportunity to do some kind of, um, public speaking thing about this, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, all in all, it's like, that's the closest thing that I think I could get to that, which is being some PhD lecturer type person. Well, you're consider, you know, consider it, uh, a possibility and you're already making it happen here on the Rex Crim show. And, and you're setting it up so nicely um, because, you know, you're talking about these ideas of being shunned, you know, stigma, this is an emotional subject for you and, and those who it affects. Yes. And so we're talking about divergent perspectives and correct me yes. if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're the, you take issue with this idea of ableism. <sighs> very, very much because it's, it's because it's, I mean, it's not that it's acceptable because I'm sure anyone would say that it's not acceptable for the most part, unless they're just, you know, jerks. But if they're jerks, then, you know, they would probably be very, well, they're just jerks if they don't say that. It, it's not that it's acceptable to individualized perspectives, but as a society, we just, again, there's something wrong if we have been very active against, I mean, it's good that we've been active against racism and, you know, um, against homophobia. It's, it's good. Or just, you know, being more inclusive, so to speak with all races and all different, um, whatever people identify as their gender. But when it comes to disabilities, be it physical or developmental, I mean, I'll say this, I did thankfully get accommodations in university. You know, that's like, that was fine, and that's something that I really do appreciate my university doing. But what kind of accommodations? Oh, um, just essentially being able to get extra time on tests, being able to negotiate with my professors easily to give me extra time on due dates for assignments, um, being able to appeal things a little bit more easily. But for the most part, just being able to really kind of sort of tailor my. Um, sort of tailor my uh, academic projects and whatnot to work with my best fit. And that in itself is kind of something that I will admit is one act against ableism that's really nice to see. But even then, with regards to how, you know, younger people and just people in general with regards to relationships treat one another, it's like, it's, you know, we see people dating each other, different races. We see all these different genders getting these relationships and whatever, but it's like, 
we still have created this society where it's acceptable to, um, you know, uh, it's acceptable to, you know, discriminate against those who have a disability because in, because in their eyes, why go for someone who will hold you back when you could go for someone who will, you know, who will not hold you back, which is just insanely capitalist and kind of reminds me of the Joker quote, the movie Joker, where he says, the worst part about having a mental disability is people expect you to, act, to behave like you don't. Interesting. Describe your eccentric and peculiar interests. All right. Um, I mean, the, that's the funny thing as well. It, it, it can change at any point in my life. Like growing up, probably the most eccentric thing that I was interested in was um, dinosaurs and animals and nature and whatnot. And nature is still a very huge eccentric interest of mine because I'm, I'm somebody who, don't get me wrong, I enjoy a good day out in the downtown Toronto area or with, you know, some friends and whatever, like I don't mind going to a patio or a restaurant or whatever, or a movie theater. Like I enjoy those types of things, but you know, if you were to tell me to go to a city or travel anywhere in the world, I would not travel to, let's say France for the, um, maybe only one day I would look at the city, but I'm a lot more interested in looking at the forests, the mountains and being and seeing things that are authentic and not synthetic like buildings. Now, now in the case, France is a bad example because, you know, the buildings, the old buildings are a lot more authentic, but somewhere like a, a very modern city such as Singapore or, you know, a country like Singapore where it, the buildings just look so synthetic and whatnot, it, it just isn't for me and whatnot because... I'll tell you now, going to Banff, it was, I felt like I was in my element because I was looking at nature, looking at mountains, looking at peace and, you know, uh, just, just things like being able to look at authentic things and whatever that you know, I could enjoy beautiful landscapes and whatnot. It was my gig, but beyond, but beyond nature, like I said, I would have a uh, different interests in different shows and whatnot, different anime shows. But for the most part, it was like, I would be interested in only, uh, this is, this is another thing as well. That's also very common to people with Asperger's is, um, eccentric rigid interest, but also like playing only being super, being able to be satisfied by one video game at a time and whatever, and not really giving a chance to something else until I basically lose interest in it and move on to something else. Like, you know, growing up, one of my favorite game franchises of all time was Battlefield. And, you know, I, I, you know, sorry, Call of Duty fans, but um, <laughs> Battlefield is just, you know, something that I was, you know, super into. And I feel like was one of the, I would play the same Battlefield game over and over and I would never get tired of it, at least not for, you know, not for many months. And then I would just move on to a different game franchise. In this case, you know, over the past few months, I've been really getting into FIFA and soccer related stuff and whatever. And then I just become an encyclopedia. I become a walking encyclopedia. That's, that's, that's honestly like, you know, what I describe myself because like, I don't know, I don't know anything about these, you know, soccer and all these footballers. And then in just the course of a few months, I know their birthdays. I know what clubs they played at, the stories, the intense rivalries and whatever, 
it's like suddenly I just become an encyclopedia and whatnot. It sounds like a level of obsession or you, you just become, you know, fanatical about whatever interests you. Yes. Yes. What other types of um, symptoms or how else do you describe, you know, um, aspects of, of the syndrome? Uh, you mentioned earlier social cues, yes. the idea to, you know, knowing when to be silent or not. Uh, give a few examples of, of what it's like for you negotiating social interactions. Oh, boy. Um, let's just say that, um, you know, people say that one of the most, one of the biggest turnoffs in any kind of relationship, be it platonic or romantic, is coming on too strong. And I think that Asperger's and coming on too strong are like, name a more iconic duo than that. Name a more iconic duo. That's like, that's as much of an iconic duo as Batman and Robin. Because it's, I cannot tell you the amount of times in my life that I have been told and criticized by others for coming on too strong or not understanding boundaries and whatever, because it's like, you know, I, aside from being desperate a little bit, but there's also like the idea of just like, you know, um, wanting the relationship to go somewhere. And, you know, because they were, because the person is nice to me that I could just, you know, spill not all of my problems, but, you know, some of them. And then of course, that's why I kind of refrain from talking about my problems to others nowadays, because I feel like they'll just run away the way so many others have run away. But also like, not being able to understand body language such as like, I mean, I look at, I can make eye contact, but it's like, I can't, um, it's hard for me to just know what it means. Like whether people's, you know, facial features and whatever. And it kind of trick, it hurts me a little bit sometimes when people talk about, Oh, masks need to go away because we need to, you know, we need facial, we need to have facial communication back, which kind of stings me a little bit because I just sucked at it or just never really, cared too much to understand facial and facial interactions or not even that could, could could you could you give an example like you're talking about the wink of an eye or um colloquial phrases or or words uh, can you give any example of a time that you uh, maybe misinterpreted or you later learned the meaning of something after the fact um i'll uh okay i think i'll i'm trying to think uh Okay, one of the things I can say is, um, was when, um, you know, there was a, there was a, there was a woman I was interested in, I wanted to get her number and whatever. And, you know, when I was talking to her, I tried to not start off with asking for a number first, but just kind of start something, just have a topic saying, hey, how things been? Oh, what have you? And throughout the conversation, I just, you know, I feel like I was not looking enough at her face and whatever to understand that, you know, she gave me her number, but, you know, there was like some uncomfortability in her because, you know, my photogenic memory allows me to like really recall it. But I could see that I now realize that her eyes, eyebrows were very, they gave this nonverbal communication that oh this i'm feeling trapped right now i don't know what to do and whatever but in that moment i didn't know that was happening because i was just so concerned with getting her number and not messing up and whatnot and mm -hmm. she gave it but then you know she inevitably just you know rejected me and whatever which 
you know, stung a bit, but it's okay, I guess. But, um, but you know, it's like, yeah, I just wasn't able to really tell what her face meant because sometimes I think to myself that people's faces don't actually convey what they're saying, but I guess, no, maybe there is some real truth because now I've learned that whenever someone's eyes are close to squinting and whatever, and they're smiling, that's a, that's a huge indication that their smiles are genuine or stuff like that, or that they're actually relaxed and actually interested and whatnot. Whereas her eyes were not exactly squinting. She was like, um, just like they were, they're like wide open. And although she wasn't angry or grimacing and the facial feature, it now makes sense that she's definitely seemed like, Oh, I don't want to talk to this person. Right. It's this decoding of, uh, of what, you know, the nonverbal intends to say that you have to learn or take extra precaution in, in, in understanding. Yes. And my therapist told me that, you know, one of the things I could do to help myself with this is to look at a movie scene, look at like, uh, well, a nor- like not an action movie, of course, but like, you know, I don't know, some kind of romantic novel movie or what, or what have you. And just look at two people talking to one another, mute the volume, and then just, you know, try to see how they're communicating without the words and whatever, without the tones and whatnot, and just look at the way their bodies are moving. And funnily enough, when I do that, it's actually very easy for me to do that for the most part. But when I'm in the moment, it's all, all of a sudden there's like this EMP that goes off that I just forget everything. And then I'm just going on instinct or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm just, you know, thinking about this, um, idea that you describe so well, I mean, I guess it takes practice really. And your challenge, it sounds like is, you know, uh, something that many people just take for granted. Yes. Me, especially, you know, being the social butterfly that I seem to be for whatever reason, um, you know, that stuff comes natural to me. And, uh, and yet I have a terrible memory and you describe yourself as having a photogenic memory. What's that like? I can remember the I can remember events from 10 years ago. I could remember at least those that matter, not every single thing, but it's like, I could remember what someone was wearing a certain day. If I really paid attention to it, I could remember facial features. I could remember the words that were said. I could remember like what we did, where we went, what was happening. And I think that's contributed a lot to my depression as well. And traumas because it's like, you know, I could, um, and made me hypervigilant a little bit around others too, which prevents me from practicing. It, 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 it's just so refreshing to hear someone. I mean, I just find it so curious because, uh, X, you strike me, if I'm honest, as someone who's entirely charming and funny, and it really resonates with me, uh, what you say about, you know, being, uh, genuine and authentic. I believe everything you're telling me is, I, I, I wonder if you even have the capacity to lie. It's really nice that you said that. It really touched me. Um, the capacity to lie. Um, I mean, I never wish to lie to anybody, but, um, sometimes I do feel like I have successfully like, well, no, I, I can't really recall a time where I was able to lie successfully. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It just feels like people don't really give me enough of a chance for me to even get to a point where I could say, oh, could I deceive this person or something? I don't know. 
Well, to my point, I mean, there's humility in what I'm hearing uh, that you're, you know, I mean, it's almost, uh, I mean, you, you're, it's enjoyable to hear someone that's so in touch with themselves. And I find this so curious, this paradox, because you're describing not wanting to come on too strong yes. in this sort of dance that is romance uh, and, and, you know, the need to be coy, uh, and, and maybe that's part and parcel with the dating scene and, uh, and, you know, tying in with what you said about capitalist, uh, society, you know, the idea of what incels might describe as hypergamy. And I, I don't know, that's maybe loaded, but, you know, this idea of dating and, and, uh, and, you know, putting yourself out there versus, being in a committed, meaningful, long-term relationship, which requires the very things that you're just that that you that you've demonstrated already in our conversation: being yes. authentic, being general, uh, ge- um, genuine, being honest, and being vulnerable. So I'm not convinced that you know this is uh, necessarily a life of inseldom for you. Um, I, I I I hear you know a young man with a fantastic amount of uh, uh, introspection and a great deal of potential. Thanks. It's, it's, you know, it's, I don't deny that, you know, people, it's, people have said to me, oh my gosh, this, the intelligence that you have and whatever, and the things, you know, the things you said about being genuine and authentic, which are required for long-term relationships. I guess it's just that, I don't know. It just, to me, seems like a lot of people my age, just like they, don't seem to be up for authentic things. And I've seen a lot of people my age who are engaged and married. And I just think to my, who are getting married and whatever. And I just think to myself, how are these superficial people like, you know, able to get these things? And for all I know, it could create some problems in the future and whatever for them. But it's like, it's really nice. It's really touching to hear you say that you weren't convinced that this is a life of inseldom for me, but it's just that it, it, it's it's unfortunate because you know one of the things that I admire in others is this is finding someone who is like me in the sense of like they they're not necessarily against the idea of going on a night out or what have you but someone who can just like just I don't know talk. I don't want to say talk normally. That's not the right word to say, but just talk like, you know, I could talk to them about the cool places that I've been to. I could talk to them about stuff instead of having to talk to them about, oh, what LeBron James is doing next weekend or what, um, what, um, uh, or, uh, what weed or I should try or what, um, or what, uh, you know, just superficial things, I guess. I don't know, but, but be able to talk about things like, Oh, what, you know, what, what places I've been to on this trip or intelligent stuff like, Oh, this is what I found with my research and whatnot. I don't know. Just me. Well, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? I did actually think about it a little because I listened to, when I was listening to a podcast called psychology in Seattle, which was really nice. Um, Starting a podcast, I did think about that, but I just think to myself, mm, there's a lot of thoughts that go into it, like, you know, how am I going to do it? Do I have the time to do it? I think I do have the time for sure, but it just, it feels like, kind of like with, I thought about starting this Instagram food account of mine. I feel like there's a lot of, 
I don't know, maybe it's the depression that just makes me unwilling to just take the patience to it. I don't know. But the idea of starting a podcast, I did think about it. And, you know, I thought about maybe potentially doing it in my future with regards to like, I don't know, nutrition related stuff, sort of similar to what psychology in Seattle does, where they talk a lot about different psychology topics and um, um, even respond to patron emails and have and just, you know, read their emails and share their professional perspective. So I, it's still in the back of my mind, but I'm just not really kind of sure about where to go with it and how I could discuss other difficulties with Asperger's or what have you. I'll have to check it out. I, I never heard of it, but I can see uh, psychology in Seattle. I'll link that in the show notes for people yeah. who might want to, uh, to uh, hear what you're referring to and, and see what you're saying. It looks like they have a YouTube uh, channel as well. And, and honestly, like, and honestly, like they, there actually are a couple of episodes on there that talk about, Oh, disabilities. And also like, um, incel related stuff too. There's a very, very nice video by it where they, they sort of like address problems with incels and really just try to provide professional encouragement. So yeah, it's really good that you're linking it. Yeah, cool. I I want to now ask about um, you know this idea of subjectivity and objectivity. I just yeah. find it very curious how on well the previous conversations I've had so far with folks uh, identifying within seldom as a as a plight in their life. Um, you know, typically it has to well it always seems to do with something um, beyond their control. Uh, I've heard about looks maxing. I've heard about the race pill. Uh, and now I'm, uh, you know, touching on a, on the idea of disability with you. Tell me about how you think folks perceive you. What is the typical, you know, the stereotypical idea of Asperger's in your mind? I think it all just is being too different and weird that others just, just avoid them like the plague and whatever, just you know, don't want anything to do with them, no matter how, no matter how good they might be as a person on the inside, no matter how authentic they might be, no matter how much they would care for, no matter how much they would want to care for others, if they're not, they're too weird, or just the idea of just being weird. That's, that's all it really is just being weird, unconventional and different. And, you know, thus not worthy of having a social life and romance in their lives. What, what is the difference between being weird and being unique or exceptional? You know, it's, I think it's like, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, sometimes people tell me, Oh, uniqueness and, you know, exceptionality and whatever, but it's like, I think the difference is just that being weird. It's just, you're, you're, you stand out in the wrong ways, not in the right ways where your weirdness prevents you from, every it, it feels to me like my weirdness like people tell me oh be unique be unique be different and be different there's nothing wrong with being different but i don't know i feel like it kind of is a problem with being different because it's like you know just not being able to have a proper social life or and a romantic life in my entire life and just um um you know just my uniqueness wouldn't be a problem but it's like i feel like i got nothing that benefits other people for my uniqueness to be appreciated by them. And yeah, I, I still have, I still kind of, it is an interesting question that you said that I will definitely have to put more thoughts in, but 
that's what I say about it. Okay. Are you familiar with, there's a Netflix show that came out in 2019 uh, that deals with, you know, finding love and autism, uh, love on the spectrum. I had to ask you uh, if that's something that you're familiar with or if you've seen it all. I have never seen it whatsoever. <laughs> no. No, okay. I, uh, I I just wondered. Uh, it was something that I quite enjoyed, and it was basically, um, well, I think there's there's criticisms about it, but folks that are, are tuning in and and that are familiar with it will uh, will see, and maybe I'd recommend it to you. I'd be interested in your opinion on it. Um, it's a show of folks who struggle with different conditions like Asperger's and and uh, different. Um, um, types of autism mm-hmm. that uh, struggle with finding love, and the, of course, Netflix, you know, being the the consumeristic and capitalistic culture that we live in, has made a, a profitable, ostensibly profitable show on this very topic. Anyway, I recommend uh, you know there's a season out, and it's a docu series um, um, that uh, that was of interest and. Um, you know, I've said on that people can check it out on Netflix, but I, I wondered if it was something you had uh, spent any time considering or contending with. Maybe, uh, you know, drop me a line and let me know what your thoughts are, um, uh, if it's worth, if, if you endorse it or not. I don't know. It's like, I, I mean, I'd have to look at it, but a part of me kind of feels a little bit nervous looking at it because I feel like, I feel like it just like, I don't want to say this in a facetious manner but i mean i'll give it a shot i haven't seen the show yet so i can't judge it by its cover which i personally feel like is a lot more than most other people do my age who really do judge me by my cover but um but i will say that um with regards to that i you know will I will definitely look at it, but I'm not sure if I endorse the show or not because I feel like it just creates this it creates this othering of people even more unnecessarily than it already has been and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, it's not fair to you know interrogate you on this if you haven't seen the show. But just to play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. I wonder you know does it other the uh, the the plight of folks with autism, or does it make it relatable and more understanding, more understandable? Mm. Does it start a conversation that otherwise might not exist? Hmm. Food for thought. Uh, I mean, interrupt me by all means, but it ties in with this idea uh, that I want to turn to now in our conversation. You know, this idea of uh, of how you perceive yourself in the world, and uh, I just thought it was so poignant what you said earlier about the idea of being comf- you know, finding comfort in suffering. Um, you're absolutely right. I think it's more uncomfortable to make, you know, changes. Um, uh, for example, I hear that social cues are something that you struggle with and that you have to spend a lot of time more so than the average person, Yes. uh, you know, practicing, studying, you know, maybe not, not one of your preferred interests. I think you have keen interests in other areas that you'd much rather spend your time on almost obsessionally. Yes. Uh, but, but there are, you know, there's some work to be done that 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 I think you're uh, that you're doing, and so I'm I'm wondering, you know, how you make sense of your own 
bit of comfort in, in um, put, situating yourself as a person with a disability, you know, who, in other words, is much like these incels, you know, it, ne- it, it never started or there was never a chance. I guess, you know, the idea of perceiving myself, how I perceive myself, it's, I don't want to sound like, I mean, I might be playing devil's advocate here with what I would, with, with I'm, with what I might be saying here, but I feel like it, I personally just feel like, um, it's, uh, it, I feel like looking at that show is going to really kind of, um, kind of uh hurt me and remind me of my um failures quote unquote and i say that term very lightly because i don't really think it should be turned that coin that way but i don't know what else to really describe it as but um you know it's uh i think i'll use this as an example i was in a support group once where um I mean, the support group was not an Asperger's only group. It was like for people who had just been dealing with a lot of difficulties and whatever, and they were dealing with feelings of like um, being, I mean, for I don't know if those the people in that group had disabilities or whatnot. They may have, they may not have. I can't confirm or deny it. But what I certainly do know is that they were people who I would not be surprised if they were on subreddits, the pity the pity subreddits and whatever who find comfort in their suffering and it's you know i'm of the principle that nobody is inherently a loser but the fact that these people were giving off these what i refer to anyway as loser vibes in which they you know they didn't really care for them they didn't really take care of themselves taking care of their appearance taking care of um basically not treating themselves like they give a damn and whatever, because as difficult as it is for me as well, who's someone who's, you know, a little bit on the shorter side and whatever, I still try to do things for myself, like taking hair pills and minoxidil to fix my receding hairline, try to shave, try to groom, try to wear good clothing and whatever as well, but also try to work on my career and whatnot. So, you know, I don't, I'm someone who tries to, to actively work on my situation. I don't, that doesn't mean that, you know, people should not, should not, you know, feel bad or feel down about it sometimes and whatever. But it's like, I think it's, I think it's important that we show that side of people, people who work hard and whatever, and not just the parts of like, oh, this is difficult and whatever. And I can understand where a lot of those people in that group were coming from, regardless of if they had a disability or not, they probably might've experienced difficulties in relationships with others, be it their family or their peers. And honestly, this is why I think therapy is important for that regard, because it can help you step out of those patterns or at the very minimum, just at least have someone who can listen to you, the right, provide you the right support. And sometimes I still struggle with my feelings of being a loser and whatnot, but that's why I have this desire to, you know, get this professional career of getting a PhD and whatever. So I could at least sort of, you know, this might be also a devil's advocate thing for me to say too, but sort of just, um, compensate, so to speak, for my shortcomings 
in my past. That's what I kind of think about this as. Mm -hmm. I, I really like how you highlight all the things that you do, you know, to live well. I mean, you're um, describing a, a, a relatively strong internal locus of behavioral control. You take medications, you attend therapy, you, um, you know, seek opportunities to, you know, better yourself. You work towards school. These are all things that are within your control, which is unlike the, uh, the toxicity that I've seen in certain circles, you know, the subreddits surrounding in seldom all have to do with, you know, a very strong external locus of behavioral control <clears throat> where, you know, the, the focus is on things outside of one's control. I wonder if uh, you mentioned earlier about being a high functioning, um, uh, your condition, you know, being relatively higher functioning. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to quantify uh, your Asperger's? Is there a test or how do you, uh, how do you know that you're high functioning as opposed to low functioning? Um, to be honest, that part's something I'm not all too familiar about because that's um, what my, what the person who did, um, who did the test, uh, the diagnosis who conducted the diagnosis said to my parents he's like oh your son has mild asperger's so that makes it probably even more high functioning but i i i would say it i would say what i believe based on what i've researched into this disability but you know i i kind of fear that i might be very inaccurate with it and i do not want to trigger any people who have who might be contending with this so i don't know if i should kind of put my own insight into it. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, you're here, you know, to share your perspective and your experience, uh, by all means, uh, you know, but you're not, you, you know, if you're not comfortable, I, I understand that completely. Uh, I, I'm curious though, to know about this assessment that you've undergone and about the therapy that you've, uh, alluded to, you know, the, the assessment was conducted like, um, eight years ago when I was 14. So I barely remember it, but all I remember was the uh, person telling me, asking me a lot of questions, you know, telling me to do certain tasks and whatever to see if I could, you know, pay attention or whatnot, or just, you know, be rigid or some stuff like that. But, you know, for the most part, um, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, they, they basically dictated that I'm on the high functioning. And now to answer that question, I think what makes someone high functioning is just that they, they're they able to do a lot of things like, you know, talk to their professors, you know, try to have a job and, you know, try to like be able to just essentially try to live a normal life, so to speak, without um, without really being too dependent on others for it and... I think that um, in my case, yeah, because I was able to hold a job at a as a swim instructor for many many years. Although I did have some quirky moments, but um, but um, tell us tell us about the quirky moments. You know, like I was very nervous about having to potentially raise my voice and be firm because I didn't want to hurt the children's feelings. But. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my boss said, no, you got it. You got it. You got to be a little bit firm, but not too firm. Cause sometimes I would also have, you see, you see, I, I also, have, this is another thing. I have a problem with regards to finding sweet spots. How, mm -hmm. how, like, for example, when should I be vulnerable, but not too vulnerable? 
where do I draw the line? That's a, that's, I believe one of the biggest challenges, but, um, the idea You're is- preaching to the choir here, X. I mean, I, I'm, it's just really resonating with me. I mean, I'm interested in this very idea, blurred boundaries and, and amb- ambiguity. Yeah. Ambiguity. I'm in- I'm interrupting you, but uh, please tell us more. I mean, what what other anecdotes uh, have you struggled with in finding that sweet spot? Um, so I'm thinking about okay, oh I know. Um, I guess assertiveness and you know being able to find the difference between being assertive and being a jerk and whatever because it's like it's like either I just am submissive or I just straight up get insulting to others and whatever. So it's like you know not knowing how to be assertive without being a jerk. Because one of the common things about incels and, you know, is the whole nice guy syndrome, which they, mm-hmm. you know, there's the nice guy problem with regards to them, you know, not having any guts to do so, or, or sorry, sorry, um, with them being nice only for the sake of an ulterior motive to be manipulative, which is one part of it. That's, that's something I did struggle with for a long time, but I tried to move past that. However, the other side of the nice guy syndrome is when somebody, you know, they're nice, be- quote unquote, niceness in terms of like, you know, not thinking that, oh, if you're being assertive or if you're being jerky or if you're being, you know, if you're like saying, you know, not taking any crap from others that, you know, oh, you're being a jerk and whatever. And for a long time, I struggle with that, too, because it's like, I don't know how to really you know, if someone decides to be a firm and, you know, jerky with me, it's like, I don't know if I, sh- I, I either fight in terms of like coming back at them with worse insults or flight when which I just, you know, s- walk away or just what have you. And I guess that kind of ties in with the swim instruct, you know, swim instructing where, you know, I was not sure how to, you know, be firm with the children without being over the top and whatever. And, in dating, of course, the not known blurred boundaries. And I think also another example is just um, knowing um, boundaries in terms of how much I should share with someone, how much I should be vulnerable with them. Like, is it the right time for me to tell them about my struggles? Is it the right time for me to ask them out? Oh, this is, oh, this is a big one. Like, is it too early or is it too late for me to ask them out and whatever? And honestly, I might go through with a plan and then I might ruminate on the idea of, oh, I did it too late or, oh, I did it too early, especially when they take a long time to respond to my texts or something. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, I just find it such a, such an interesting plight and uh, how much of it is real and how much of it is imagined, which yes. is, you know, exasperating this problem uh, of trying to differentiate, um, you know, where's where. Absolutely. Yeah. I- interesting. I, I, um, how would you describe yourself in terms of routine? Um, I would say like, like, what do you mean routine? Like just well, are you are you extremely rigid in how you conduct yourself day to day, or would you describe yourself as flexible? I would say more rigid than flexible. Like, for example, sometimes when because here's the thing: sometimes I, well, for the past I don't know how many years now, I have always found the time to just you know want to you know had the desire to want to go out and whatever. 
like just go out for a walk at like 5.30, 6.30, just so I'm, you know, out of the house at like 5.30 to, um, you know, uh, what, what, whatever time it is, just so I'm back home in the evening. And sometimes when I don't get the opportunity to do that, I get very anxious and whatever, just like how, you know, I wake up in the morning, I work on some stuff, I make food, take a little bit of a nap and then do that and then rinse and repeat. So don't get me wrong. When I'm on a trip, that doesn't happen to me. Like with Banff, I was able to be flexible, no problem. But, um, I would still say with regards to routines, I am certainly a lot more rigid than I am flexible. Can you describe your your friends and family? What is your relationship with them like? Well, family, I'll tell you this. My family, they're very nice people who, you know, provided me support financially and whatever and wanted me to, you know, succeed. They helped me pay for my tuition and, um, you know, even my extended family who are some of the nicest, you know, who people who I have much closer with because they really tried to understand me and whatnot. And as much as I respect and admire my parents and love them and whatever, I do sometimes resent them for my, um, for basically kind of being only materialistically supportive and not emotionally supportive, not giving me positive reinforcement in my life when I needed it most, such as in grade 11, when I was dealing with depression and just being very, uh, giving me a lot of tough love with regards to like, you know, oh, not getting enough good grades or what have you. But for the most part, I'd say it's all good with them and whatever. Now with regards to friends, um, like I said, it's not like I have a squad, but for the most part, I'd say some friends, I'm definitely a lot closer with others that I can trust more. But I still believe that with some of the friends or what have you, I, I, I have trouble like believing that they would be in my life for my life, you know, being in my life for, well, yeah, just, just essentially being in my life because I feel like they would uh, leave me the way people left me in my past and whatever, just, you know, forgetting that I was there and um, not really wanting to associate with me for whatever reason that just, um, again, I just could never understand why. I wonder um, Mm -hmm. if you would be willing to elaborate a little bit on what it is that you have discussed or discuss in therapy. What are, what is, uh, do you find that useful? And if so, how? For, I'll tell you this. I've been to, um, I've been to, I believe, including this current person, eight different mental health professionals and whatever, some psychologists, some life coaches and whatever over the course of almost seven years. And, but with the current person who is a place in Toronto that specializes supposedly in, um, you know, people therapy for those on the spectrum, you know, I'll be honest, I was wanting to, you know, discuss, uh, discuss with them, like, you know, social skills and whatever. And, you know, we did work on social skills for a little bit and whatever, but I realized, I think what, what was the bigger problem? Because she gave a perfect analogy that 
there's plenty of guides out there on social skills and stuff you need to do. And there's plenty of like, you know, just like how there's a lot of diet ideas and, you know, what have you on the internet. Yet people, despite the time of having the most information on the internet with all the internet, we're living in a time where obesity has never been higher, just as we're living in a time where depression has never been any higher. And the problem with myself is not necessarily being unable to have the social skills or practice them. It's the emotional difficulties that, that I carry, such as depression, trauma, hypervigilance. And, you know, some, I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes I get a little bit, um, I have discussions where I sort of rant to my therapist and my therapist tries to share perspectives in terms of like wanting to live your life by your values and not be dictated by others and um, trying to, you know, kind of let go of things and, you know, not live your life or live my life in terms of grudges, but just live my life by my values and whatnot. <laughs> Is it something uh, I wonder about your relationship with your family, the sense of not being um, cared for emotionally growing up? Uh, you, you describe it uh, almost as, as though there was a, a level of negligence there. Uh, is that a cultural thing or was that um, something that your folks just didn't know how to handle or is it just within your own perception? Is this the subject matter something that you have discussed in therapy? No, I haven't, but I think I will actually. And honestly, I think to answer your question, I definitely don't think it's a cultural thing because I can definitely see that there were people who I think were understood by their parents because they got some, I think they got positive reinforcement that allowed them to continue and push on and not isolate themselves. And I feel like, yeah, there was a lot of emotional negligence. Like, like I said, you know, my parents, they gave me the money. They helped me pay for my tuition and whatever, pay for my trips, helped me a lot of, with a lot of those financial difficulties and like, you know, helped me, helped to support me when I was talking with professors or teachers in my past and whatever. But in terms of like, really being able to help me with social difficulties i guess it was more so just not knowing how because they're just like okay why talk about these things you can't control them you don't you know getting you know kind of sort of berating me whenever i would get angry so it kind of feels like i have to hold myself in with regards to difficulties that i have socially at least because i feel like they just don't know how to discuss it because i feel like they grew up in a culture where they may not have faced such, you know, it's not that they didn't face social difficulties. My parents certainly had social difficulties of their own, but I feel like they just would not understand how the West works and how people who are different get shunned and whatever people with disabilities get shunned and whatever. And, you know, sometimes I got my therapist to try to tell them that, but again, they just talk all about, Oh, it's not in my control, not in control and whatever. So that's just, just the idea of being unable to really, emotionally support me when I was dealing with, for example, bullying and loneliness years ago, which I feel like was the perfect storm that basically drove me into this pit of despair that I feel like I've still been stuck in for many, many years now. Yeah, I hear, I hear this uh, sense of, you know, exclusion and, uh, yes. and isolation. Um, 
I wonder, so I just want clarity then, are your folks, um, uh, you know, first generation Canadian or like when I'm asking about this cultural thing, I'm just trying to help me understand uh, about the cultural difference that that maybe I'm missing. Um, Here's how it was. Uh, They were, they were born and um, raised in Iran and then they moved here when I was only like a year and a half old. So I was raised here my entire life pretty much. Right. Uh, but, um, that's, that's just kind of how it is. Now I, now I understand. So, um, is this, is this subject matter something that you have broached with your parents directly? I did. I tried to tell them that, you know, I tried to tell them that they were being unsupportive and, um, you know, I, I tried to just, um, you know, tell them that and i just you know they just again they would just try to they would just try to subconsciously justify and not really take into account that yeah they were being emotionally unsupportive and just only you know sometimes you know sometimes i say that and they'd be like oh yeah we're very terrible parents because we're the only because we paid for your tuition and helped you and helped you you know and helped you you know um and talk to your teachers and whatever to help you get those accommodations. We're totally unhelpful. Just, you know, kind of guilt tripping me yeah. a little bit right. and just not wanting to really admit because they're just, they, and then they, when I say to them, Oh, this is an emotional problem. And whatever, they're just like, well, what do you want me to say? We can't control that. And what have you just not, not knowing again, how to deal with relationship difficulties. My dad never taught me how to date and whatever. Not that it would matter anyway. Cause I feel like he was, he grew up in a, growing up in a different country, the dating standards would obviously be so, so different. But, um, but all in all, it's just like, I did try to tell them and I just, you know, I just feel like they, again, just didn't want to really admit that they were just being emotionally unavailable. And that's why I avoid really bringing it up to them again. And, um, you know, I'll bring it up with my therapist, but all, all this to say is that like, yeah, I essentially had to go through these past four years of undergrad, you know, all alone because, you know, didn't have a social life, didn't have a partner. And all I all I had in these past four years was just parents who were financially supporting me, materialistically supporting me. But um, otherwise a little bit cold. <sighs> yes. And but all in all, it's just I had to go through all these past four years alone. And I think it's it's unfortunate because I feel like I've just um I didn't go to my graduation for this very reason because I, aside from the fact that I didn't get in anywhere, which there was no, there would be no point for me to go. I feel like people would not, I know this might sound a little bit self-absorbed and pompous, but I just personally feel like I sort of deserve some, you know, acknowledgement and respect for having had, for having, had had to, you know, do these past four years, you know, with, with essentially all by myself and whatever. And, you know, how so many others in my program probably did not have to, you know, go through these difficulties all alone and whatever. And, you know, it's just, I kind of didn't really just want my name to be on a screen that, you know, would have the names of others who in my eyes anyway, would not understand what I've been through, who may not have experienced what I went through and would, just be very insensitive and unsympathetic in general. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what it would look like for you to have your parents acknowledge 
that uh, level of distance that you're describing to me, what would it mean to you? Honestly, it would kind of provide the same effect that, you know, when, when one of my bullies or one of the bullies who hit me the hardest, not physically, but emotionally, when he apologized to me, it essentially felt like it sort of like righted the wrongs, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and essentially provided closure. It's like, at least they acknowledged it. At least there was accountability. At least there was, you know, sort of this, this level of, you know, admitting that yes, they messed up. Yes. They weren't, you know, they messed up and they take some responsibility and accountability for it. And just, you know, making up for it is completely optional, but just like I said, being just really kind of solidifying those feelings of loneliness and whatever. And when it, when it was a time that it should have been a lot more supportive and whatnot, again, emotionally, I feel like it would at least, you know, kind of right the wrongs of like, you know, the end of high school where they were very, again, grades, oriented which i feel like was another contributor to my loneliness because i was just so stuck with focusing on my grades and whatnot i um yeah i think it, it's just yeah it's so beautiful really i uh, am thinking it has to do with you know this uh, theme of redemption that we've talked about on the yes. rex crim show and i just love how you've said about accountability and you know, it seems so elementary, but it's true that uh, in a world that we live in these days of politics and, um, you know, uh, lack of understanding and polarization, to, to, for lack of a better term, you know, yes. there is something about just acknowledging wrongdoing. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm wishing you the, the most success in finding what it is that you're looking for. I, uh, I can't help but wonder if having an open conversation with a total stranger like myself, uh, you know, what that does in terms of opening doors for you. I think this is practice in a way of uh, being vulnerable. And perhaps you'll agree that you've found someone, a complete stranger who, you know, is quite keen and interested. Uh, I mean, I, I'm actually quite surprised to find such a marvelous conversationalist on the other end of the line. Honestly, 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 Rex, like I, I, um, it, uh, just having this conversation was like to hear those compliments. Honestly, you know, I take a lot of issue when people say, Oh, you're smart. Oh, you're this to me because it feels like they're just, um, for lack of a better phrase, uh, blowing smoke up my ass but with 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 you i did not get that vibe whatsoever it there was something about the way you said oh mar you know marvelous conversationalist on the other side or genuine authentic um the the, the one part that you said that really struck me was, was like oh i i have a hard time imagining or it just does not it does not click with me that you are condemned to a life of inceldom with what the way you're talking and whatever that, you know, really kind of was something that just made my day and whatever that I will definitely remember. And I will sometimes listen, I will listen to this episode, you know, time and time again, if, you know, whenever I, sometimes I need to, just to really kind of remind myself how this, uh, how a total stranger could, 
really find such interest and whatever, and that maybe others could really do that too. If I, if I really open my heart to them, it's just, it was easy to open my heart to you because, um, you know, just this desire and interest to really engage with me, which in, you know, I feel like, I feel like a lot of people would not be able to, but yeah, honestly it was, um, everything you said was genuine and that's why it makes me feel better when I, you know, you say that. Well, you're warming the colds of my heart, uh, uh, to, to use an old expression. Um, <laughs> I wonder what advice you can give for people that are in your, um, in your situation, but maybe not as high functioning as, as you might be. Um, you do make room for the possibility that, in fact, you're not, you know, doomed to a life of inseldom, but uh, perhaps just a late bloomer. I would say to them, I would say to all who are listening or just to anyone who, you know, I would say to them, the one, the most important thing is just as tempting as it might be, just don't go to any incel place or whatever. Don't go to any you know, even, even things that are not in cell in name, but are almost in cell in nature that, you know, it doesn't even have to be radical viewpoints. doesn't have to be radical things, but you know, the forever alone stuff, um, forever alone stuff. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, even the Asperger subreddit itself can be very problematic because of this. There's just, again, the self-pitying, sort of nature behind it and because they will they will give you this narrative that your problems are irresolvable by nature or that they or things never began for you or anyway they will just continue to give that in there and just you know really prevent you from getting what you want to attain in life and whatnot and you know it's it's a cliche sometimes to say this but you know reach out to therapy just just like people say oh therapy doesn't work therapy doesn't work i can tell you right now that at the bare minimum having a therapist someone who will want to listen the way you listen to me and whatever you know yes there is some charges and yes there can be some problems involved in that regard but for the most part even just calling like a helpline thankfully canada or at least ontario has a helpline um I'm not sure if you want me to mention it. Sure, yeah. Plug whatever you like. Um, it's called Good to Talk. And I can tell you right now that this line is one of the things that helps me keep going in my day. Like um, Good to Talk. So it's like good and then the number two talk. And because it, you know, having being able to call someone and just being able to talk about the problems with them and finding the genuineness, the genuine interest in it and whatever is certainly something that can allow you to, you know, it's, it's a much better alternative than going on a subreddit that's just filled with people who will try to bring you down and whatever, or just, you know, or just, you know, try to find some comfort in the suffering. Now, if you are going to go on subreddits or what have you, again, go on, go on, the go on the ones like incel exit and whatnot that really just try to give this, um, that try to be supportive as much as possible and not, you know, super uh defeatist in nature and whatnot and all i can say is just as cliched and as difficult as it might be because i have a hard time believing this myself too 
sometimes. But, you know, sometimes after discussions like this and, you know, discussions on Good to Talk or what have you, just, you know, just don't, don't give up. Don't give up. Never give up. That's good. Number two, talk.ca. And uh, if I can plug something, I, as I've mentioned on a prior episode on uh, incels, um, there's a fantastic book. Maybe you've heard of it, X. It's called No More Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert Glover. And uh, yes. I found it. Yeah. Is that something that you're familiar with? Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. I, uh, I think it's available for free. You can get it a PDF uh, just by Googling it. But it was uh, something that I found quite helpful and, and informative in, uh, in my more formative years. And um, so I'll link that uh, details in the show notes about that. Um, it, it's just a way of addressing this nice guy syndrome, which is above and beyond the scope of your and my conversation X. Uh, but for those who might be interested in struggling with this idea of in seldom, um, it is a way to, um, you know, it, it's a, it's an, a useful, um, pathway forward, I think. So I, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mindful, uh, of your time X, I just want to ask a few more things and maybe share an observation if I can. Yes. Um, well, the, the observation that I have is, um, if I can, can I make an observation about you? Absolutely. I, it's, you know, you, you, you just have this high level of, uh, of self-awareness. It's, it's, uh, impressive. I think that, um, there's, you know, I think the challenge for you has to do with distinguishing, you know, what's in fact going on in your head versus, you know, the reality of the situation. And um, so I, I can't help but wonder if, if practice makes perfect and by, you know, just power, power by numbers, by, you know, putting yourself out there, doing things like getting onto a podcast, being vulnerable um, worrying less about when to ask for the number and just, you know, ca- capitalizing on every opportunity to ask for the, a number that you're interested in. You know, I wonder um, if, if getting active, changing your behavior uh, until you find it, it works for you. I wonder if that's going to reduce suffering and, and increase a sense of satisfaction in your life. I don't deny that at all. I, I absolutely don't deny what you're saying. I think one of the challenges that comes with that idea is just feelings of depression and whatnot, which, you know, I am taking meds for and um, seeing therapy for. And, you know, that's why I, that's why this year I made the, I decided to join, you know, once things open up inevitably, um, um, once things open up inevitably, I, there's a, there's an outdoor club at some university that, you know, you don't even need to be a student of to go there, but it's a really, I think it's a good place for me to find like-minded people who are around my age and into the same things that I am. And, you know, it, it's difficult as well because when you have difficulties in the past, cause I did join a, a couple of other clubs in the past and had challenging difficulties. It certainly created this level of trust issues, but as you said right now, just trying to, um, be more active and whatever in that regard and pushing uh, that comfort zone. Yeah. Pushing that comfort zone, not, um, you know, letting the past really get in the way. Um, 
yeah, I'm not going to deny its uh, difficulties, but I'll, again, continue working on that with my therapist, that idea of not being so stuck in my head, I guess, and um, just uh, doing that and continuing to take care of myself physically like I have been and just um, trying to really not forget my um, my vision that I have for myself as a professional too. Right on. Well, I want to do this. I want to extend to you, X, a, a, um, an open invitation. I want to hear from you in future. I've just been so uh, delighted to have this conversation and to hear from someone who prides themselves, uh, uh, you know, to their own detriment, maybe on, on being uh, honest and vulnerable and, and authentic and genuine. I mean, you're doing the very things that, uh, that, and you might not even realize it, but these are the things that will lead to success and coherence in your life. So I'm excited to hear about you in future, and I welcome you back on. Um, you know, if you find an episode on the Rex Crim show that you like, and you want to come on and chat, you know, uh, to debunk it or or something like that, you know, let us keep in touch. Um, but I want to give you the last word. If there's anything that you really want to say or plug, uh, now's the time. But I, I'm really curious about why it is that you decided to go with uh, a pseudonym like X and what, what uh, you hope to get out of coming on, on the Rex Krim show today. I went with the pseudonym because I feel like I, I have this fear of being canceled, quote unquote, in the future as a professional and whatever. But, um, you know, also because like... You know, like I said, I just, I just, you know, do not wish to have anyone really, you know, have, um, this, um, yeah, just, just to not be canceled. And, um, what was your other question? Oh yeah. I'm wondering what, what preconceived uh, notion did you have coming into this and what did you hope to achieve coming on the show? Well, aside from wanting to speak to a stranger, uh, a very a, a stranger who seemed very interested and uh, wanting to hear about the very real challenges that I've contended with. Just essentially somebody who being able to like, if my story can be heard by others, that it could um you know really just you know just again be have it be heard and um, really just give them a sense of understanding and maybe you know neurotypical or not just have just have my voice be heard and have a um and really allow myself to really show the part of myself that i feel like i've hidden from others for so long well i i cannot think of a better note to end on i'm so thankful to have heard your story x and uh yeah i've got high hopes for you i i can't wait to hear from you in future Thank you for coming on and for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It was an honor to speak with you.